I'm David Atterbury, and this is Big Truths, a weekly podcast where we grow in Christian doctrine by looking through the door of church history. As we consider the doctrine of the resurrection, the topic naturally turns to our own deaths. As Christians, we believe that death is not the end. Jesus has promised to his people eternal life. In the Gospel of John, chapter 6, Jesus said that all that the Father has given him, he will never cast out. So we learn that the Father, before time, entrusted certain people to his Son for safekeeping. And all whom the Father has given will come to Jesus for salvation. Jesus said, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And as Christians, we are placed in the strong hands of Jesus by the Father. He will never lose us. But more than that, Jesus said, Of all that he has given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. So friend, if you have been given to Jesus by the Father, then Jesus will not lose you, but will raise you up on the last day. Jesus said, everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Therefore, as believers in the Lord, we need to carefully consider what our funeral practices teach people, whether directly teaching them or indirectly, unintentionally teaching them. What do our funerals say? More importantly, what does the Bible say? about burial and funerals. We'll learn about this and more in this episode of Big Truths. In this episode, we're going to consider two things. First, we need to look at what the Bible says about burial. How did the people of God bury their own dead? What did it mean to them to not be buried? And what did God teach them in his word? And then secondly, we're going to think broadly and theologically about the doctrine of humanity and what it means to have a body. What does it mean that the body dies? And how did the people of God think about death? So first of all, let's think together about the biblical uses of burial. So in the Bible, burial is the standard for the treatment of one's body after death. So as you look through scripture, the words bury and the words grave in Hebrew, they're nearly identical, and they occur over 200 times in the Old Testament. And these burials, for example, in Genesis 23, they can be in a cave Uh, They can be under a tree, Genesis 35. They can be beside the road, in Genesis 48. They can be in the desert, as we see in 1 Kings 2. They can be in a garden, 2 Kings 21. Or on a hill, 2 Chronicles 32. They may either be an earthen burial in a dug grave or in internment in a tomb. So Decker says this in his article, quote, Depending on the social status and chronological period, 
The tomb is better known in the Bible lands since it is an obvious, often a prominent structure. These might consist of natural caves, but the best known, especially in the vicinity of Jerusalem and Jericho, are hand-hewn and soft rock. There are several styles and customs, evident, Decker says, but typically a tomb would be used for multiple internments, most commonly of family members. In some periods, bodies were permanently buried, individually in coffins, placed in hewn niches, or laid on rock shelves without a coffin. In other times, the initial burial was individual, but after a corpse had decomposed so as to leave only bones, the bones were transferred to an ossuary, that is a stone or pottery bone box or pottery jar, so as to make room for additional burials of family members. End quote. So think in the Gospels. Our own Lord, his burial, was in a borrowed tomb. And what he experienced was typical of Jewish custom, aside from the lavish amount of spices and perfume that adorned his body. In fact, the burial of the Messiah was foretold in addition to his own death. So Isaiah 53 says this, And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. So in addition, the way Jesus' body was handled with great care and reverence by those who loved him, that should not escape our notice. So it was prophesied that Jesus would be buried in a tomb and that his body would be handled with such care. We should think about that when we consider our own burials as well. You may not know this, but God himself once buried someone by his own hand. When Moses died, God did not leave his body exposed to the elements and for the animals to find on top of Mount Nebo near the plains of Moab. Moses had climbed the mountain because the Lord wanted to show Moses the promised land one final time that he swore to give Abraham's descendants. It says this in Deuteronomy 34. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows this place of his burial to this day. End quote. So that's a fascinating passage. It said, he buried him in the valley in the land. So who's the he? Who buried him? The only one who could have buried Moses was the Lord. No other person is named in the passage. So we should note that when given the option, God chose burial for his servant Moses. And God chose burial for his own son. We should also notice when reading through the Bible, to not be buried was a sign of judgment. So to refuse burial for someone, it was a sign of contempt reserved for one's enemy. So, for example, Deuteronomy chapter 28 says this, The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies, and your dead body shall be food for all the birds of the air and for the beasts of the earth, and there shall be no one to frighten them away. Or, for example, in 1 Kings chapter 14, it says this, Anyone belonging to Jeroboam who dies in the city... The dog shall eat, 
and anyone who dies in the open country, the birds of the heavens shall eat, for the Lord has spoken it. And all Israel shall mourn for him, in the context that's the child who is to die, and bury him, for he only of Jeroboam shall come to the grave, because in him there is found something pleasing to the Lord, the God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. End quote. So notice in this passage how those whom the Lord rejected are not buried, but the one in whom something pleasing was found in the eyes of the Lord, he is given the honor of a burial. So in another word of judgment, Jeremiah says that the bones of wicked kings of Judah, along with their officials, priests, and prophets, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, who worshipped the sun and the moon and the stars. He says in Jeremiah chapter 8, these people, their bones, they will be exhumed and given no burial, but their bodies will be exposed, ironically, in judgment, under the very sun and moon and stars that they loved to worship. So Jeremiah chapter 8 says this, and they shall not be gathered or buried. They shall be as dung on the surface of the ground. And even those who had once been buried will not be given the honor of remaining in their tombs. The ancient Israelites understood that burial was the proper and regular way to treat the bodies of their dead. To not be buried was a dishonor. But let's think more broadly now. Let's think of bigger theological considerations. When the Lord redeemed us, he not only saved our souls, but also our bodies. So listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It says this, You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. End quote. Now, the context of this passage is in regards to sexual immorality, but the broad principles are applicable for how we view the Lordship of Christ over the choices we make with our bodies, including funerals. So Paul taught that what the Lord purchased through his death and resurrection, it included our bodies, and therefore our bodies belong to him. He has the right to tell us how to use them or how not to use them. So Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So our bodies and even our souls are somehow mystically connected to the Son of God, and therefore it matters how we use our bodies in this life. So we're not free to think that every sin a person commits is outside the body. As Paul learned, the Corinthians were being taught by false teachers. That's what they said. They said every sin a person commits is outside the body. So they taught there's no way to sin against one's own body. Sin is something you do outside your body. But Paul says that's not true. 
We can't excuse our sexual sin by saying sin is something I do to other people. What I do with my own body is my own choice. No, Paul said our bodies are connected to Jesus. And therefore, while alive, we must honor God by not using our bodies to indulge in sin. So let's think broadly in regards to funerals now. So in regard to funerals, we must ponder whether the lordship of Christ over our bodies ceases upon death. So think to yourself, does Christ's ownership of your body, does that end once you die and your soul leaves your body? Does the Lord no longer own our bodies when our life expires? So here's another question, one that's probably much harder to answer. I think this needs to be pondered as well. Do our bodies cease to be a part of the body of Christ in death? If our bodies are currently, while alive, a part of Christ, and if our bodies in the resurrection will be a part of Christ, then would it be too far afield a thought to not also conclude that even in death, our bodies are still somehow mystically united to Christ. So take, for example, how the concept of personhood is still attached to the body after death. When Jesus was buried, the text does not refer to his body, but to his person. So we read in Mark chapter 15, Joseph took him down, and wrapped him in the linen, and placed him in a tomb cut out of the rock. End quote. So John Mark, the author of the gospel, he didn't use the neutral third-person pronoun, it, referring to the body. He chose to use the masculine pronoun, him, referring to the person. Joseph took him down, and wrapped him in the linen, and placed him in the tomb cut out of rock. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he didn't cry out, dead body, come forth. He instead referred to the one who is in the tomb as Lazarus. Even though his soul was not in the tomb, the body was referred to as a person, not as the corpse of a person. John Murray writes in his book, The Nature of Man, Even in death, the body that is laid in the tomb is not simply a body. It is the body of the person. More properly, John Murray says, it is the person as respects the body. It is the person who is buried or laid in the tomb. End quote. In addition, as we think broadly and theologically about death in our bodies, as Christians, we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit as his temple. We're told this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now granted, our souls leave our bodies when we die, as also the Holy Spirit no longer dwells in the deceased. But it is still a body where the Holy Spirit once dwelt, you know, there are many monuments and tokens of men that commemorate historic events and persons. For example, we might think of the Field of Gettysburg, 
Or we might think of certain historical artifacts, like the crown of Henry VIII. Or maybe in some museums, you could see uh, the bed where Napoleon once slept. So these locations and objects, how do men treat them? Are they careless with them? No, they're carefully treated. They are delicately preserved by men. So we even recognize that there are many who give special attention to the locations where Jesus was believed to once have ministered here on earth. Uh, the hill, for example, where people think he preached uh, the, the sermon, uh, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. People visit these places and even call them holy sites and go on pilgrimage to see such locations. So friends, think, should we not also, as those who fear the Lord, give special consideration and care to a body where the Holy Spirit we know once dwelled for a time? These are important things that we should consider when thinking about our own deaths, our own burials, especially in light of cremation. When we think of cremation, the burning of the body and the grinding of bones to dust, these are not consistent with the positive biblical example of burial. Uh, this practice of cremation, it's outside of what the Bible positively gives and expects the people of God to do in burial. We're going to spend some more time thinking about this next week. I want to thank you for listening to Big Truths. And for more information and for the end notes of this podcast, you can go to our website, bigtruths.net. So friend, these are important discussions, and we're not done yet. So come back next week for our fourth and final episode on this topic of Christianity and cremation. I'll meet you again next week where we will open another door 